Those Space People, a podcast series of casual cosmic conversations with people working on exciting space projects. Today we have two guests on the show, Seika Mishyor and Brian Mishyor. They are the co-founders of Ad Astra, which is a headhunting and people operations firm focusing on new space. Seika has a background in psychology and human resources management, and Brian has a background in aerospace engineering. So welcome guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. We're huge fans of those space people and it's a great pleasure to be here. Happy and excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So Seika, you have spent some time in talent acquisition during your career in other industries. So what brings you to space? Yeah, so my background, as you mentioned, started in psychology, love how people's minds work, right? And even more than that, I love how people's minds work in teams and that we have the opportunity to build incredibly empowered lives through the work that we do and the people that we interact with on a daily basis. So my work took me into talent acquisition, talent acquisition management, and I had the opportunity to work at a CNC sales uh, organization for my first big jump into managing talent acquisition. And I didn't know the first thing about a CNC machine when I when I joined that organization. But after I kind of got my arms wrapped around hiring for that company, right, hiring sales engineers and CNC technicians, I realized that I could be even more helpful to the bottom line of the business by finding CNC machinists and CNC programmers and started looking in looking for these hard to find people who aren't usually represented on LinkedIn and diving into finding finding these people and connecting with them with the companies that can utilize those that that expertise and that really sparked my love of working within manufacturing and understanding on a deeper level the work that goes into new space organization. Wow, wow, that's really cool. Because I think space is, always has an oversupply of engineers doing all kinds of roles, even non-engineering roles. And I really think we need people with actual domain expertise doing different kinds of roles. So it's, it's, it's really great. Uh, on the other hand, Brian, so you have a very core technical background, right? You are like the textbook aerospace engineer, having done all the awesome stuff, worked at SpaceX and so on and so forth. What was your motivation in switching to the talent acquisition side of space? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it wasn't on my radar for the longest time at, at SpaceX. I did start to get into you know, helping to screen and interview candidates, and I really liked that. And similarly, at my job after SpaceX, I did enjoy that aspect of looking for the right people and how to screen them and find the right both technical and culture fit. And so, but that was really just a taste and it wasn't until um, I really got to know the industry, the recruiting industry through Seika that I was like, oh, this is actually pretty exciting. If we were able to start a business, I could still have technical conversations with the smartest people on the planet and um, and be networking and learning about a wide variety of things. And so it was really just through exploring that um, in, a, in a few different avenues and learning from Seika that I learned that, hey, this is something that is really interesting to me and really exciting. Wow, okay. I've uh, never really looked at it that way. 
This is interesting because I, I think technical people at the end of the day, we love to have technical conversations. So, wow, that's, that's so cool. Can you talk a little bit about how Ad Astra operates and what exactly do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So Ad Astra, Brian and I don't just share a last name, right? We are married. And so Ad Astra was the, the also the marriage of these two very different ideas, this, this uh, investment and expertise in building teams and thoughtful hiring, and then this technical side of the work for, coming from SpaceX and uh, Brian's technical experience. And so Ad Astra really is the merger of those two components. So what we do is we partner specifically with new space startups. That's our area that we focus. And we do, we help these organizations find the top talent that's going to meet their technical and is going their technical needs and is going to fit in with the culture of the organization. Uh, if you put somebody who's used to a ton of structure and a lot of red tape and kind of having steps lined out for them in an environment of 15 employees where you're wearing hats, you're hanging hanging art on the wall one day, right? And then uh, preparing to put hardware in space the next, it can be a really big culture clash. And so we do a technical screen and a cultural screen for these organizations for their highly technical or executive leadership, leadership roles and assess to see what will be a really strong fit for the organization and then help partner throughout the entire process to make sure no one falls through the cracks and both the company and the candidates have a really strong uh, experience of the candidate process. Um, this is interesting because I was always under the impression that um, the existing employees, especially for startups, are the best uh, people to make a call on who to hire and who not to hire because, you know, you're obviously in the company. But how, how are you able to make this, this decision for these companies? That's an awesome question. We do a, a, a deep dive what we call a rec intake, right? We partner with the the leaders in the organization, depending on the size of the company, right? We're either going to be partnering with the, the CEO, the C-suite team, or the leadership of the team that we're hiring for. And we get an understanding of what their cultural and technical needs are. We're also very experienced in building these teams and advising on these ideas. While the employees are going to be an excellent source of information for both who to hire, right, who are going to be really strong hires for these roles, and how to assess them, there are uh, research-backed industry, industry best practices for interviewing in order to help these current employees make the best decisions, best informed decisions on who to hire. And, uh, you know, there are so many different methods of interviewing, uh, you know, I'll throw Google under the bus. They're probably used to it. You know, uh, a number of years ago was in all the news for asking these really obscure questions. Like if you just bizarre questions, right, that there isn't really a right answer to uh, if you, what kind of tree would you be if you were a tree? And the idea was to kind of get people out of their comfort zone and have them thinking outside the box. And after we did a lot of research on it, we found that is not a great way to ask to interview people because we end up making people uncomfortable and getting them 
out of their normal operating methods. So that's, that's one example uh, that comes up a lot. People want to ask unique questions and we can advise on how to interview most effectively to get the outcomes and the answers and the, the data that you're really looking for. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, Brian, you also mentioned that you used to do a lot of talent acquisition when you were in SpaceX and perhaps also later when you were with the drone company the way that you were working with, right? How did you do talent acquisition when you were part of the company versus right now through Ad Astra? Yeah, great question. At, at SpaceX, it was relatively minimal. I didn't do too much on that side. It was more tapping in to do some, some interviews for our team, for candidates that were potentially going to join our team. So it was really just kind of getting my feet wet there. And then at the drone startup that I worked at afterwards, I started to own a couple of different roles there to try to fill. And so I really got to build out what, what is the ideal person I'm looking for and how, how am I going to find them? And then how am I going to screen them? How can I standardize my process to make it a very level playing field and to have some sort of quantifiable way of knowing if the candidates are a good fit. And so it, at that point I was really just, starting to develop some of these skills. And once we, that way, once we started at Astra, it was um, a lot easier for me to take, dive in full time and really learn, learn from Sega and focus largely. A lot of my focus is on the technical side. It's, it's looking at people's profiles and determining from my own experience, you know, do they have the ability to, to do this job at our client and then jumping on the phone with them and talking through the, the technical details, what they've done, asking them technical questions and really identifying their ownership and ability to, to do the work. And since I've been in that seat at SpaceX working on rocket engines, I have an idea of kind of what it takes for a lot of these roles. And so that's really where a lot of my value lies and oh, what Ad Astra provides that's unique is my background and a lot of our team's background is very technical. And so we can get to those technical items and details a lot easier than I think your average recruiter off the street does. They, they just say, hey, have you done this? Candidate says yes, and then they, they move on. But we're able to probe a little deeper and see if that fit is actually there or not. Okay, wow. This is like really new perspectives and insights for me, you know? <laughs> is there a difference between how new space or space in general hires versus other deep tech or other industries? Interesting question. Yeah. So new space is a really fun area, especially working with startups, because if we're pulling from legacy organizations, there's going to be a very different style of hiring and a very different energy of the individual that's going to be a strong fit for the team. So uh, the, the style is going to be quite different. A couple examples of kind of, you know, if we're hiring for a, a legacy organization or a long established organization, there are really precise boxes that individuals fit in, right? Their, their job descriptions, if you don't have five years of, right, if their job description sets five years of experience, you have to have five years of experience. There's no way to bust out of that box. Um, and you're looking for something very, very specific and, and 
exact expertise and that's going to get you to a specific job title. When we're doing headhunting for the new space industry, we're more flexible. We're looking for specific outcomes and an ability to bring the company to a specific point in the future. And the specific rigid requirements aren't don't exist. The specific rigid process for hiring is is not the same. And we're able to be more flexible, more agile, and more creative in the people that we're looking for. I think an interesting item kind of along a similar adjacent lines is also that a lot of the expertise that we're looking for, whether it's having worked on CubeSat specifically or um, even just having worked on in a startup on rocket engines, like these specific items start to really narrow our talent pool. And I'm sure other tech industries have some of those same problems too, but also like for, in, for example, the uh, software.com type um, industries, those are able to pull from a wider range of, of people and it's been around longer. Our industry in a, in a very real way is very new and growing very quickly. And so the p- people who have had this experience that are, that are vetted and know that they can do the job is pretty limited. So then we then we do have to start looking for from legacy companies and figure out, okay, of these hundred people who have worked at Lockheed, maybe one or two percent of them have what it takes to switch environments over to a uh, a startup. And it's difficult to find those people, but they exist and they want that opportunity. And so that's some of the some of the challenge for for what we're working on. Speaking of a limited talent pool, uh, most of the new space companies in the world are located in the U.S. And uh, I'm not sure, fortunately or unfortunately, we have these ITAR regulations that uh, limit a lot of engineering roles to American citizens. So as as a headhunting firm, you know, you have a perspective on this. So do you think there is enough talent from within the U.S. to fill all these positions? So far, yes. <laughs> so far, we've been able to to find that and to find the right people. Uh, we do have to adjust expectations sometimes, especially reflecting back to what, what Brian just said. You know, some of these ideas that we're, we're looking for somebody with experience uh, with a specific piece of technology, that technology may have only existed for, you know, 10 years. So you there's a very short list of people who can who can fit those needs. But but so far, we have been finding the people that we need that meet the ITAR requirements. OK, do you um, see the, the American government relaxing these rules, these regulations in future, because if we look at the other parts of the world where there's not comparatively, but at least um, significant part of space activities such as Europe or Australia, they, they do have lower, a fewer number of new space companies, but they have a much larger pool of you know engineers to choose from from across the world. So do you think maybe the US is losing an edge over this? I, I don't think we're there yet. I think it's um, it's interesting. A lot of our, our clients say, you know, if we can't find the perfect person, maybe we can talk about looking internationally and going through all the paperwork and headache and time, which is a huge factor, is the time it takes to go through all that paperwork to pull someone in. And so 
it, it has come up, but it doesn't come up very often. It's usually easier to find someone locally. And so I think it's possible that if that starts to run in, if, if companies are running into that more, may, maybe the government could find ways to make it easier. Um, to maybe that paperwork could be a little bit better, but I don't know that the need is is strong enough yet because it is an industry that is pulling a lot of attention. A lot of people are excited to move from adjacent industries or completely different industries in order to to get an opportunity to work in the new space field. And they're usually taking significant pay cuts, taking on a lot of risk to do so. And um, so I, I don't I don't think we're there yet. We haven't heard any rumblings of ITAR restrictions changing or anything along those lines. So I'd be surprised if we see that anytime in the near future. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's a little disheartening to learn because as someone put it very nicely in one of the IAC, the International Astronautical Congresses to Elon Musk, someone asked him, you're going interplanetary, but when will you go international? Some of the awesomest, coolest space activities happening in the US. And well, let's see, fingers crossed. Um, It's hopefully sometime. And Astra also does team building activity in for new space companies, right? So how do you do team building? Our focus is on building teams through through hiring. We do do executive coaching in building kind of the internal culture as well. Uh, we don't we don't actively do team building activities. So there are some really cool programs to build engagement and uh, build kind of company spirit. We don't do that. We can definitely recommend some who, who do if, if anybody's ever interested in that. But our team building comes from uh, addressing the individuals currently within a team and supporting in adding those who will contribute most positively to, to the team. So you do the, the literal team building part. Yeah. Cool. How do you compare talent acquisition between upstream and downstream companies? Because downstream companies are more more or less software companies, right? Because let's say if they're doing data analytics, image processing or something like that, at the end of the day, they are more of a software company, which is very, very different from an upstream company or a company that actually builds the hardware or the, the rockets and the satellites. So is talent acquisition different for the upstream and downstream? The approach to each organization is is pretty different. And if we're focusing on an organization that's primarily a, a hardware organization or a company that's primarily a software company, the, the the approach will be different, but I don't know that I have kind of an overarching view of, of how those are grouped. Can you give any examples of any sectors or any verticals that you have built a team for uh, at Astra? Did you do it mostly for CubeSat companies or between larger you know, companies which build larger satellites or uh, small satellite launch vehicle companies. Perhaps you can give a few anecdotes or differences in how it works differently for different kinds of companies. Yeah, would you like to speak to a little bit of the kind of different organizations that we've been working with? Yeah, for sure. We've we've partnered with a, a variety of organizations, and you know, either brand new seed seed round. Uh, just opened their doors uh, all the way to, you know, been been around for five, 10 years, growing the team over a couple hundred employees. And we've we've definitely found a lot of traction in 
launch vehicle development, uh, engine development. And I, that likely has some, some overlap with some of my background, uh, working at, working at SpaceX, but also, um, there just is a lot, lot going on in that space right now. And so a significant part of our business has been on the, the transportation side of things, whether it's the launch vehicle or even, you know, upper, upper stage vehicles to help get, um, smaller satellites into their desired orbit, even if they've ridden more of a ride share to, to get to space. We've also had partnerships with spacecraft development companies, whether they're working on an entire spacecraft to get by itself or just individual components specializing in, you know, state-of-the-art technology for, for various components. And a little more, you know, unique or new to us and a little bit off the path of maybe the topic of this podcast is that we're also starting to get into the the autonomous drone space, um, especially like electronic vertical takeoff and landing. EV tall drones is a space that we started to to get into as well because there's a lot of talent overlap and a lot of a lot happening there as well, and so. That's a real quick overview of where most of our, our clients lie. Oh, okay, cool. So you intend to also go into these fringe areas, you know, like like a lot of high technology sectors overlap in kind in terms of skill set. So you also intend to spread into these sectors? We do. And there are a couple of reasons why. One is we're contacted regularly by people who are so inspired and so excited about new space, right? They're, they're, they love it. It's their hobby and they're, they work adjacent or they're so interested in breaking into this industry. And we'd love to be able to make space for more, make space for more people, right? To be able to segue into this arena, use their transferable skills in order to add diverse, uh, diverse perspectives to building these organizations. And so having uh, us us become very familiar with these uh, adjacent industries helps us be the connector, be the bridge that can help people slide into the new space world. Another factor is, as we've alluded to a couple of times, they're only, for many of these roles that we're looking for, there are only a couple handfuls of people who who have the experience and we can't saturate the new space market. We can't have new sp- all of the new space startups be our clients because, frankly, we can't poach from any of our clients, right? So we need to be very selective of the clients that we take because we're going to need to go higher from other organizations. And so we need to have these adjacent industries and the individuals that are part of those industries of available to us so that we're able to continue finding good people to pull in. And one more quick benefit of, of the drone space right now is that it doesn't require the ITAR restrictions. So we'll have connected and networked with really strong, excellent engineers that just unfortunately don't qualify for the new space industry, but could get into the drone space and whether they're working on their their green card or citizenship, um, that might be an option down the line. but uh, it's it's great to be able to make those connections with those excellent candidates as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's good to know. Is there a changing formula with respect to the size of the company 
For instance, I would assume that um, let's say there are two or three co-founders in a company and the first employee they would prefer to hire by themselves, you know, based on personal interactions. So from what size do new space companies would approach you to do the hiring for them? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Some some companies do definitely want to build, you know, the founding team and their initial line of employees from their network. Other organizations contact us for their second or third founding team member. Uh, so we we see the whole the whole gamut of of people who are looking for support in hiring and looking for founding team members is is actually a, a large component of what Ad Astra does. It, the the style of approach definitely does change based on the size of the organization. Uh, a smaller organization, uh, we have to find people who have the capacity and the motivation to be building something from nothing. And that's that's a very specific person. That's someone who has to be incredibly passionate and have the experience not only in successes, but arguably more importantly in failures, right? They've run into so many problems that they've failed with that they know how to not run into those again. Uh, I don't know about you, but most of my best lessons have been from areas that I've I've failed in. And so that's that's a key component. For larger organizations, when we're not looking for founding team members and uh, not even, you know, the, the initial individuals who are coming in, we're able to be looking for people who still have a ton of energy that they can give to the organization and who can uh, lean in and wear many hats is cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. People have to be able to step outside of their job description and and support multiple areas. But we're able to look for people who maybe haven't carried all of that weight themselves on their own shoulders. They've been teams. Uh, they've been on teams that have have crossed those lines before, uh, but they don't necessarily have all of the personal experience that we need when we're looking for those really small teams. Interesting. Wow. The, the big question now, right? How do you do this process, building a team or acquiring talent? How do you find people? So a company comes to you, approaches you and says, hey, we want, I don't know, X number of people or we want to build the software team or the electronics team. And then what happens? Yeah. So our standard process really depends on the specific role that we're, that the company has a need. But to talk through kind of our general process, we uh, we do a, a, a deep dive to understand the logistic side of things, right? What sort of compensation are we able to get to for this role? And what sort of experience do they absolutely need? We build out a job description, but more importantly, we want to paint a picture of what this organization is going to need to get them to their ultimate goal, right? What are we aiming for in three months? What are we aiming for in a year? And we're very aware that the goal in a year may likely will change, right? <laughs> so after we get an understanding of that, we we try to dig into the technical experience. And Brian does a, an excellent job of understanding the whole picture for the technical experience. Not just how many years of experience do you have in this technical area, but what what are what do we need this person to accomplish and what are adjacent areas that they may have experience or um, that they will be able to fulfill that need. 
Do you have anything that you want to add about kind of the technical side of how we approach hiring? Yeah, another cool thing that we're able to offer is depending on the role and the interest from the from the client, we'll, we'll often collaborate with them on a very technical screen as well. So what are the fundamental engineering questions that you'll ask? And how can I screen those for you so that the candidates that would not pass the screen on, on your end just never make it to your desk? Why, why should we be sending you candidates that aren't good? So our goal is to submit as few candidates as possible so that it's really low burden on, on the hiring team. Because we do partner with companies that have a talent uh, component and have professionals in it, and we're augmenting and supplementing that. But we all often our clients have no recruiters or talent professionals in in their team, and so we really want to take that burden off of their shoulders because they have they have better things to do. Quite frankly, they got to actually do the work, the development work, to make their hardware or software work. And so, um, yeah, it's that par- close partnership with the hiring team to be able to define what those what they're looking for and and work together closely with them to have good questions to to screen out the right candidates. And what we find is, you know, the, the people who are building these teams are experienced technical engineers. And what we're able to bring and to to augment even their recruiting team is uh, talent acquisition expertise that brings up questions that they may not have thought of and helps us narrow in on the very specifics of what they're looking for while taking, as Brian mentioned, the administrative and uh, complex burden off of them of actually sorting through all of the people and making sure that the candidate experience is quite positive throughout the whole hiring process. for startups especially, but for large organizations as well, uh, the people, incredible people in this very small industry can be kind of fall into black holes and not, you know, by no one, no one's fault, no one's purpose, but that, you know, an email gets missed and then they spent an interview time with the company and then they never hear back. And now that's somebody who might be a future candidate. They might be a future customer. (laughs) They might be best friends with your, with the best customer that you've been chasing for a while. And so being able to have us managing that people side of things and making sure no one falls through the cracks uh, can be a really beneficial part of the part of the process. So after we do, we get a picture of the logistics needs, location, relocation, the technical needs, the cultural needs of who's going to fit well in this team and what sort of diverse perspectives can we bring in to be able to have this company reach even higher levels of success. We then go out and uh, tap our network. We look for people who were uh, 10 years ago, they were on the trajectory to be the person that we need today. We look through, we use LinkedIn, we use resume databases, we use technical networks and uh, message boards, discussion boards, and we we reach out and stay connected to all of the people that we we've been working with throughout the time of Ad Astra in order to find out 
you know, sometimes a person's resume doesn't necessarily point to their dream job. Uh, but we're able to get that information through our interviews is on the candidate side. Sure, this is your experience, but what's your motivation? What drives you? And how can we help anchor people to getting the roles that lights them on fire? Okay, wow. Regarding the headhunting space, I'm not sure how it is in the US, but in, in Europe, at least where I'm based, there are a decent number of companies, a lot of companies actually, and we often see them at conferences and exhibition booth, having exhibition booths. How is the space headhunting space in the US? Is it very crowded? Do you have a lot of competition? Hardly any? Or how, how does that work? Yeah, awesome question. So there, there are quite a few staffing agencies, which is a distinction that I'll mention briefly, but there are a lot of staffing agencies that typically don't have a great reputation. They're often industry agnostic and they don't often have a very tight partnership with the companies that they work with. Uh, we'll often see when I was a talent acquisition manager and I would use outside uh, third parties uh, or inherit outside third parties when I would come into a talent acquisition manager role, the staffing agencies would often send in batches of resumes that don't really fit the needs that I specifically told them that we were after. So uh, that's kind of a uh, high volume and less low touch. low touch, exactly. High volume, lower touch perspective. Uh, we definitely don't consider those that are competition and they're not industry specific. So a couple of reasons that we don't, that we don't really fit that style. Headhunting and executive search firms, there are a number and they specifically work, uh, again, in often industry agnostic, but they've got a lot of experience with this higher touch, low volume, real relationship building work. Um, but as far as being headhunting and executive search for new space that's based in the United States, we do not yet know of a competitor. So if you're out there, hit us up. Um, but we've looked around and, and so far at Astra's the, the one that exists. Especially that's able to do the technical side of things. That's networked within this industry, like you said, but also knows the technical specs can have those conversations very quickly with our team and, or with the hiring team and deliver those people, uh, whether it's, Someone who only has five years of experience, but is very technical and very specific. That's that's right where we're um, we're supposed to be, and then also upward into uh, leadership roles as well. But that technical side is 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 critical and is something that most people or most other companies don't don't have in their um, in their company. Okay, wow, um, it's cool to know that you're quite unique. So would you consider yourselves as a space startup? Yeah, yeah, I, I would. We're not building hardware or software that will fly directly, but we believe and are inspired so much by our clients who are. And so we take great pride in each of their launches and each of their successes as our own. And we know the people whose fingerprints are in space. So uh, yes. It's also exciting to see how how well our business has been doing and how much growth we've seen and we've we're, we're continuing to grow the team and only see more and more 
uh, growth on the on the horizon. And so we definitely have a, a really strong trajectory uh, of growth coming up for us. And we're hiring. Quick plug. So if any of your <laughs> listeners are love space, uh, technical individuals who also love people and have really strong organizational skills, contact us. <laughs> are the positions ITAR restricted? We don't we don't believe it is ITAR restricted. So no, that is that would not be an issue. And we we are a remote company. So far all of our employees are based in Washington State in the US. And a lot of our clients are more biased towards the West Coast. So there might be some some time difference things to, logistics to work through, but none of that is impossible by any stretch to overcome. Okay, wow. Shaker, getting back to what you said. I don't think you really need to build any hardware or software to qualify for space, to qualify as a space company, right? Because I, I think there are a bunch of marketplaces in space which call themselves space companies. They don't really build anything, just you know, enable awesome stuff to happen, just like you guys. So what skill set are you looking for in potential employees for your company? We're looking for technical recruiters. So people who have a technical background, preferably in new space and are, you know, Brian is a per, the perfect uh, kind of outline of what we would look for, but we could, we could vary from that. But it's someone with a technical background who's got great conversational skills and is able to manage a lot of details at, at one time. Because what we're doing is building relationship and then facilitating relationship. So that facilitating relationship requires monitoring a lot of moving pieces and uh, having really strong organizational skills. So it's, it's a really, it's really inspiring work. You're getting to have conversations with incredible professionals who are doing the most exciting work that there is and, and getting to connect with them and help them get to their dream job and help these companies find their dream employees. So there's, there's a whole lot of joy and inspiration in this work. I, I think anything to do with space is super fun. I'm also a fan of talking to people about tech things. So probably this is this has the best of both worlds. You're talking space and you're talking to people. So that's, oh, that's cool. Exactly. Brian, as an engineer yourself, you screen so many engineers. I'm sure there is a lot of skills that, soft skills that engineers usually lack. Do you, do you have any suggestions on how we can improve? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think some of the soft skills are is communication is, is a big one. If we can't get to the core of what you know, and if you're not able to communicate that to us, that is a tough roadblock to getting you a job and not only just getting you through the process, but it, there is, it is indicative too of how you'll be able to work with your colleagues and how you'll be able to uh, communicate technical ideas when communication is, is so vital. And so, I think being able to know when to be concise on what you work on and keep it at a high level, and then also when when to dive into those details a little bit more and having some of that EQ to be able to identify those things and maintain a conversation about it is is a soft skill that I think is hard to learn, but is is really critical and helps through the through the process. And then in terms of more on lines of experience, I think it's also just about 
you know, it's great to specialize and know what you're good at, what you like, but it's arguably more important to be able to demonstrate that you are a team player, you can wear multiple hats, you know, you'll, you'll jump into other roles and that you're happy to help the team. I think that's really critical right now for, for these smaller companies that are, are building. If you want to get in early and be a influential person on a, a new technology, it requires some of that flexibility and excitement and passion for the unknown and the ambiguity. So yeah, I think those are critical. And to for a practical solution to building some of those soft skills, a uh, very close friend and I do career coaching for a program called Oasis of Courage, O-A-C-O is the acronym, and it's uh, built out by an engineer named Zach White, and what he does is a, he calls it a, a lifestyle engineering blueprint, so it's coaching specifically and exclusively built out for engineers. So that's that's a program that's specifically working on uh, kind of building a, a life and a career that's really inspirational for the individual. And that that's a program that might be useful for what you're just asking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's good to know. Perhaps also for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, fun, it's fun stuff. It's great work. This was a fun conversation. I think I've covered everything that I really wanted to ask you guys. We really appreciate your time and investment and great questions. So yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks also for taking the time out. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would find it interesting.